and welcome back to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are back with the second instalment of our FPL Lounge long weekend, this time previewing all of the defenders that you could possibly get your hands on in Fantasy Premier League. My name is Chris Hopkins and I'm joined by the Tom Brady to my Karen Brady. It's Andy Case. Andy, uh, you know, I guess we, you know, we are doing a, a Premier League or Premier League adjacent podcast, but everyone knows, or long-time listeners know at least, Chris loves EFL. And uh, you know both of us like the NFL, so uh, yeah, that Tom Brady news taking or taking a what is it a part stake or a big stake, but not a majority stake, I believe in uh, in Birmingham City. Karen Brady, obviously formerly off Birmingham City too. You know, it's a, it's a perfect intro for this for this podcast. Yeah, and absolutely, I can understand why you would compare me to the best quarterback ever to play the game. That that makes sense as a parallel as well. So and you can understand why I would you know, I'd compare myself to someone that when Dimitri Pyatt left the club, you could uh, get a new West Ham shirt for just just 25 quid. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think we could be in some difficult water if we start going down uh describing our thoughts on Karen Brady's uh leadership and um business decisions. So like you're on the apprentice. I'll say that. Okay. I thought she was better than Margaret, of, in my view. Maybe not quite as good as Nick Hewer, but... I mean, I'm definitely, I definitely preferred the OG Apprentice. It got trashier and trashier, as a lot of reality shows do as the years went on. But, um, I mean, yeah, I said let's not go down that slippery slope because it's, it's slippery. <laughs> Um, I can feel myself sliding but um yeah no interesting though it's becoming a bit of a theme isn't it because um recently retired one of the best defensive players ever in the NFL JJ Watt is something to do with Burnley isn't he yeah so he's involved in that and yeah we're getting American film stars involved in Bournemouth was that right yes and of course Wrexham as well of course yeah of course yeah I mean less said about them the better although hopefully uh, I'll be making a trip to the racecourse ground this uh, this season with 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 my beloved Colchester United but but yeah well and and of course we can't forget the American investment fund that owns third favorites for the championship and promotion hopefuls for the Premier League Ipswich Town Football Club can you imagine if next year well, to be oh, fair, if, no, if, 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 if it's doing the Premier League next year, we're not doing the podcast. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that possibility. We're not doing it. Can you imagine? Oh, we'd have come a long way from the days when I was having to not get involved in the pookie party. Yeah. If yeah. If, if we're talking about Ipswich players on in FPL. Oh, my days. And I reckon that would be harder to, like, not get excited about Ipswich players and just, like, put them in my team for the because I'm wanting them to do well than it would be avoiding Norwich players because they were shit and that was easy to do yeah I mean I guess I guess you could adjust the strategy around having the cheapest Ipswich player that's the cheapest Ipswich starter I guess you know there's going to be some four and a half million pound ones in there that you would assume more for maybe four million defenders and, and who, who knows yes they've still got McKenna at the wheel and it could be a, a, a vaguely promising Premier League season if they get there I feel like we're maybe getting a little bit ahead of ourselves but that has struck some fear into me for the prospect of that in the future I mean, the, qu- the question is Chris who's going to be the 2024-25 Marcus Stewart that's right. who you want in your FPL team I see yeah of course I mean of course I mean that was a ridiculous season although he really made short season gloves popular and fashionable and that for me was an absolute no but um but anyway we have digressed well, a little I mean, bit i mean i mean just to, just to point out chris that he's now reselling those gloves in support of uh mnd 
the Derby yes, Rimmer Foundation because he, he, he also he, has MND, he, doesn't he? He's been diagnosed with that, so um, I would be careful what you say about that, actually. Well, I just I didn't like the short sleeves and gloves as a fashion statement. I think that's perfectly reasonable to say. But... Chris hates disabled people. <laughs> that's, well, I was going to edit that out, but frankly, I don't think I can be bothered. So, um, yeah, there we go. That's that, that's the headline that can go in, in in the pod notes for this for this episode. Um, we had digressed too much, definitely in the end, way too much. But we can at least now start to crack on with our uh, with our FPL long. FPL Lounge long weekend. Um, if you are listening to these in order, and I guess we would encourage Andy listeners to listen to these in order, um, then you will have already gone through the strategy and goalkeepers podcast. But I imagine that that is probably the least popular of our FPL Lounge long weekend instalments. So if you are joining us for the first time this season, welcome or welcome back. And yeah, we will be cracking on with our defenders. As always, they are split into three categories. So we'll go through our premium defenders, price five and a half million and above. Then middle ground defenders who are singularly priced at five million and then we will go through our budget defenders priced at four and four and a half million pounds let's start then andy in the premium defender category and there is a real headline in fantasy premier league this year because trent alexander arnold got a price rise which is insane as far as i'm concerned he's eight million pounds despite having his worst fpl season since i think 2017 2018 um i guess there is some justification for it andy in the sense that he'd moved into misfit well uh, an inverted right back slash central midfielder in the last sort of 10 games of the season um he was getting a lot of assists although liverpool was still pretty ropey at the back this feels like a projection to me and one that i don't think fpl possibly should have done but at the same time he is probably still the best defensive option in the game and it was perhaps at the sort of the will of of the game of fpl to perhaps make him a little bit more um or to have managers having a bit few more question marks over whether it was worthwhile bringing him in. I mean, I suppose so. I guess people would have jumped on the bandwagon a lot more if he'd been 7.5, but then but then that's their choice too, I think. I think FPL's job isn't necessarily to worry about how many people are going to jump on a particular player or not, just price them at the, at the point that they think is like the optimum kind of place to make it a difficult decision in people's minds, right? And... I, I don't know. For me, it's it made it more. I mean, we've got to highlight it because he's a, he's a great player and he has the potential to absolutely go off. But we try to give the pros and cons here. I suppose that's something else to say for people who are joining us for the first time. Welcome. We're 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 not going to give you team reveals, as you'll have heard on our trailer if you've listened to that. We've got a new trailer for season four this season. Um, but but we always say we're not going to give you specific like tips or our team reveals of our own we try as best as we can to highlight a number of options and give some pros and cons on those and, and each team is going to be different so you you can choose what you want for your team and so for a lot of people i can see an upside you know in 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 trent and particularly if you've not got salah um you're going to have a bit more money to spend right which we'll get into when we talk about midfielders tomorrow but um but for me i just think off the back of his worst season since becoming a starter, because when you say 2017-18, that was when he was coming off the bench and just establishing himself for Liverpool. So his worst season in FPL as a starter, Liverpool had one of their worst seasons defensively in years under Klopp since that first year when he came in and they conceded loads, basically. Um, their lowest joint lowest number of clean sheets under him as well. They've sold their entire midfield, so is there any sense then their defensive like stability is going to be any better 
I can't see how you can make an argument that it that it definitely will be. It may be, but like they need to knit together and it needs to work. And they look like they're going to be starting Curtis Jones at number six for the start of the season. So like, is that an upgrade in that position on Fabinho? Some Liverpool fans might argue yes, but, you know, I'd want to see it. It doesn't give me 100% certainty that Trent is going to, like, be better, have better clean sheet potential. And so to rise, off the back of that, to rise to 8 million, his most expensive price ever, off the back of, at both ends of the pitch, one of his worst FPL seasons, it's just, it's a it's a strange one for me. It, it kind of... I'm glad in some ways, because had he been 7 or 7.5, I might have had to think about it more, but this made it more straightforward for me. I mean, at this stage, he is owned by uh, 27% of managers, in, I guess, in, the, in, in their drafts. And maybe that's not indicative of, 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 of loads. But I can I kind of only see that going down. But it's still quite clear that even at 8 million, he is a popular pick. So maybe that does justify the decision to make him 8 million. And I guess part of the rationale behind it was because in two of his FPL seasons, um, in 2021, two and, uh, and and two years previously, you know, he got, he topped over 200 points. He was getting the returns that you'd get from a very, very good midfielder and I guess very very good midfielders usually are priced 8 million and, and above so maybe that is kind of the reason why but yeah it does feel odd for him to get a get a price rise off the back of what is generally a down season um you know he got you know got a reasonable amount of assists still I think last year but it was just Liverpool's lack of clean sheets and as you say that doesn't feel like it's necessarily been been remedied particularly you know they've got a more youthful midfield now but it definitely seems to be lacking some of the steel that perhaps it once had, and and yeah, so I think for for that reason, uh, without you know, calling another uh, British TV show, uh, you know, Karen Brady light, perhaps uh, I'm out. Um, but yeah, there's not a lot really to appeal there for me. But I equally, you know, some of our listeners are going to be really keen on Trent because of what he could bring, and he's going to be pretty difficult to get in if he starts doing well um, because he's so much more expensive than than other defenders. Well, that is true. It is going to ruin your team structure and it's going to probably cost you hits to get him in if he does start doing well. So I guess from that point, I can see a lot of people doing it out of like worry almost. But like after having said we we try not to give specific tips or, or whatever, like I just feel so strongly about this. I've got like, yeah, he had a lot of assists last season, but eventually. But didn't he have a run of something like returning in like seven of the last eight games or something? And most yeah. of those were assists. Yeah. And that was like, he had obviously just started to play that more advanced role and he he will may well do that again this season. But um, that was when Liverpool were playing one game a week. That was in a stretch of time where Liverpool were out of every other competition. And they, that's not going to happen now. We're back to the start of a new season. They're in the Europa League this year. So they're going to have travels to like far flung places in Europe, Thursday, Sunday, that notorious for some reason, it messes teams up more than like Wednesday, Saturday or Tuesday, Saturday seems to. Um, so like that doesn't mean Trent's necessarily going to fall off a cliff or not be a good player, but it's it's a mitigating factor that means the chance of him sustaining such an unbelievable run of assists and, and whatever just seems diminished, right? Um Never mind. It, like you, you made the point about good midfielders being eight mil, but like the Sackers and the Odegaards and whatever of the world play much further forward than Trent. Trent might move in, join into midfield, but it's still a deep midfield position. And so if the extra he's got to like account for the 
not being so far forward compared to a Martinelli, let's say, is that he sometimes get clean sheets points as well, or more clean sheet points than the midfielder. But that, but like that's diminished. He got they got ten last season, like so even yeah. with an improvement towards it. So uh, yeah, I, I just <laughs> comparing him directly to a Martinelli as an example. Now with obviously injuries that have happened, and we're going to get to this in our later pods, like we say. But like Martinelli could be playing through the middle for Arsenal, and he's the same price. So yeah. yeah. Absolutely, uh, yeah, pl- pl- plenty of food for thought on on Trent anyway. Um, obviously, our premium sort of midfield bracket is five and a half million and above. There aren't loads of them, and there are definitely fewer on Andy and I's kind of target list, really. But let's just run through some of them very quickly, Andy, that aren't on there. Andy Robertson, I guess, for many of the similar reasons as Trent, but he's kind of moving into a different position, sort of almost like maybe left centre back. So six and a half feels very steep. Kieran Trippier was a great buy last year, but had what a one and a half million pound price rise. Newcastle in Europe feels very expensive to me. Virgil and Jao Cancelo at six. I mean, there are question marks over Liverpool's defence still, and whether Cancelo is even going to get game time. And then Ben White at five and a half million, when the rest of Arsenal's defence is five, just feels like half a million too expensive. When last year he was half a million cheaper than the rest. That brings us on to a couple of five and a half million pound defenders that we perhaps do like Andy and, 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 you know, do go over any of those um, that I've just mentioned, if you think there's anything worth adding, but Ben Chilwell and Reese James need to kind of be coupled together into the five and a half million pound group that we do like. I think with both of these, it's injury permitting. You know, we are very aware that both of them can have a tendency to, or durability perhaps isn't a strength of either of them, but when they do play, they do get forward. I guess there is um, slight mitigation from, a potch team we're not likely to see either at wing back, which possibly we might have uh, hoped to have seen under under at least this time last year under under Thomas Tuchel. Um, but still, very good attacking players. They both know where the goal is. They both can get assists. And at five and a half million pounds, I think both present value if they stay fit. Yeah, I think I mean more more than more than just value. I think obviously we know the upsides of both of them are sky high potentially. Um, that there was points where. I mean, it's rare that they're both fit, like ships passing in the night. But um, there was, a, I remember a few occasions over the last couple of seasons where it was like the double up on them was was almost like a cheat code. So um, yeah, I think if you there's there's a bit of debate going on in the football and FPL community about if they are both fit and ready to go, who who's the better of the two? And I think that's probably a key conversation to have because we're not probably thinking you're going to own both necessarily um what would your takeaway be on that I'd, yeah well I don't know I mean I it's so hard until you see it in the league with your own eyes I think right because mm. you can you can have because so basically what the kind of data and heat maps from pre-season are saying is that Chilwell is the furthest forward right. and it wasn't clear at first because they were playing in not not playing at the same time so whichever one of them was playing was the what was the fullback that was further forward but of course if they're playing with another fullback that isn't as attacking as them then that other fullback tucks in and gives the extra security at the back right but when they've both been playing as has happened more in recent more recent friendlies for Chelsea Chilwell's been the one that's been further forward and I think some of that is probably to do with he's further on with his getting up to speed and and James has had injury again during the during the um during preseason so you know maybe a few games in the dynamic will shift again once they're both kind of fully match fit but at the moment it looks like Chilwell's the ones further forward and 
um, that's also related to the fact that like whoever it is ends up playing on the left um, kind of cuts in a bit more so Chilwell kind of can overlap or and or underlap as we've seen him do a lot as well so um, there's there's arguably more of like a goal threat for him and apparently he's been on like corners and stuff which James hasn't been on but then interestingly there's some chat that Reese James might be Chelsea's number one penalty taking right. option this season so that perhaps mitigates things a bit so I think I think on the off the back of all that I would lean Chilwell yeah, at the moment, to be and I think I there's think a stronger chance of him being fit as well, frankly, yeah. isn't there? But I could easily switch off that if we learn more over the next week or so. Great, great. Yeah, I mean, great explanation. Uh, let's move on then to the two City defenders at five and a half million pounds, uh, Ruben Diaz and John Stones, Andy. I mean, John Stones, I guess, stands out for us compared to Ruben Diaz because he has been playing that inverted almost midfield role and has also for City been getting forward and likes a shot from distance and sometimes gets an assist too. Um, whereas Ruben Diaz has kind of played that sweeper role three with Akanji and Aki towards the end of last year. Um, maybe that gets forward, but only really at corners um, isn't really, you know, he is kind of the last line of defense before Edison. So if you're comparing the two, Stones feels like the, the, the more obvious pick really at the minute, doesn't he? I think absolutely, yeah. We, we, we're obviously going to go into the middle ground category, but had we been doing this two or three days ago, although there was the threat of a Gradiol signing, I'd have been, I could have seen an argument for saving the half a mil on an Ake or a or a Kanji, for example. But Stones um, is not only one of the most nailed; is going to be the most attacking um, of of the City defenders. So. We, and, and they have a fantastic run. I mean, I feel like we're always saying City have a fantastic run, and that is a product of the fact that they don't play themselves and they yeah. are the hardest fixture, right? So, yeah. so, of course, they're more likely to have good runs, but they have got a very good run to start the season. Burnley, Newcastle, Sheffield United, Fulham, West Ham, Forest, Wolves in the first seven game weeks. Um, yeah, so yeah, that... that, that that's that's nice, right? So so I think that that there's an argument. It's it's one of those re, uh, long-term FPL lounge listeners will know that neither you or nor I, maybe more so me, but both of us aren't massive fans of the double up. However, when we see a run like this, we're off. That is the rare occasion where we might actually be offering it up on the radar, and I could absolutely support a City defensive double up um, for that opening run of the season. Yeah, as always, if you can decide, if you can determine who's going to start, and that's, I guess we will come on to that uh, in, in a little bit, Andy. I guess the final five and a half million pound defender again isn't isn't really on our kind of short list uh, at this point, but is owned at the minute by thirty percent of managers, and he's Luke Shaw. Um, I mean, I'd be tempted to give you a quick word on this, but I'm also tempted to take it off you because having watched some recent highlights of Man United's preseason friendlies, there's absolutely nowhere on this earth I was thinking about bringing uh, Andre Anana into um, my my thinking, and therefore the same should apply for Luke Shaw. Uh, I guess he's got way more attacking threat than a goalkeeper, but not enough to mitigate for some of the defensive calamities that I was watching in preseason. Should you read everything into preseason? No. Was Rafael Varane playing? No, but yeah, want to see it before I'm parting with £5.5 million for a, for a defender, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, the bigger issue for me is the bigger sample size we have, even under Ten Hag, which is like all of last season, right? That's a bigger concern for me, that one preseason game with clangers from Williams and Maguire, who aren't going to be anywhere near the, the first team. I get that, but I guess I'm kind of hoping that a second season of, of, of Ten Hag, I kind of would like the system to be doing a bit more, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, I mean, but individual, like we know that 
particularly Maguire, is is prone to an individual error and how much can a system ever like account for that like yeah, yeah. yeah. but 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 anyway it, like if he's not in the team sure so so uh, but i think there's there's a scenario where united are decent at the back this season and with a particularly there's a, i mean a lot of the analytics man united people are getting very excited about an amrabat signing like to the point where a lot of them think that he could possibly should even like be challenging casemiro for his for his place they they think Casemiro is better like defensively but like, like Amrabat is still very very good and his legs are so much better and his like reading of the game and stuff so um and then and that that's important like with that 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 three of Casemiro Varane Martinez was exceptionally more solid than anything we've seen out of United over over recent years and with Mount defending from the front more as well that can only help I think so. So there, there's definitely a route to United being de- decent defensively this season, but with Arsenal and Spurs away in the first four game weeks and this uncertainty and a new keeper, them having they're going to be attempting to play out from the back more, and that's something they're going to have to get used to that they won't be up to speed with by the time the season starts. Yeah, five and a half is a lot to be invested in, even even though the, up, the attacking upside of Shaw is there, it, it's a lot. You want the better clean sheet potential, I think, don't you? Absolutely. Uh, okay, let's move on to middle ground defenders then, and let's have that chat then about about those city options i mean i think before the uh the cavardial the signing which i guess hasn't officially gone through yet but ha- you know they've, they've agreed a fee and, and i guess personal terms are, are probably done as well um nathan ake and manuel akanji at five million seemed like real standout options for me um half a million cheaper than, than john stones and diaz and it it felt yes less attacking option less attacking potential but probably as good an expected minutes as stones would have had Gvardiol's arrival is going to impact that maybe not straight away but but definitely sort of I guess medium to long term and when you're spending what 77 million pounds on a centre-back he's gonna get in the in the team um and it he's just another centre-back to add into that rotation that I guess it could even in theory impact Ruben Diaz's minutes at some point too um so so yeah um I think Ake, Akanji, and I guess Guardiol, if he's priced at five million, would all be good options on their day. And maybe if we're looking at double city defence, maybe that's kind of where where we we'll end up going for one of them. But it's very difficult to know which one at this point. And yeah, Guardiol just makes that picture a lot more cloudy. Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, it's you'd think that like Diaz has always been nailed since when he's been fit and available at City right and Stones has made himself now that over the last couple of years firstly as a centre-back and then last year obviously in his transformed role so I think those two are nailed you've got to think that as Guardiola gets up to the speed with the system which doesn't always happen in the first season but you know they're spending a significant amount of money on him and he seems like a decent player so there's a good chance if he starts well he could become nailed then whose place he takes at this point, we don't know. It might well be clear by the time he becomes nailed, right? But True. at this point, we can't know which one of those necessarily Ake or Kanji is 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 going to go. I think you've got a suspicion it might be more likely to be Ake that would be, that would be dropped. But but either way, yeah. we're not a hundred percent sure, and so it makes them that the, the, before the upside of saving half a mil potentially was great. You knew you were losing a bit of of attacking upside compared to Stones, but they were pretty much as nailed. Whereas if that goes, the as nailed goes, then the half a mil extra for Stones is 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 value at that point. 
that brings in the uh, the five, sorry, the four Arsenal players at five million pounds, or four Arsenal defenders rather at five million pounds. Gabriel uh, William Saliba, Alexander Zinchenko, and new signing Yuri and Timber. Um, take your pick from these, Andy. I guess we're not quite sure at the minute how Timber, how or where Timber's going to slot in. He can play right back and centre back, so. Ben White's uh, 5.5 million pound starting place might well be up for or in some jeopardy. Um, Gabriel has obviously been historically pretty good at, from set or scoring from set pieces. Um, but again, are we expecting a bit of a regression from Arsenal defenders this year or Arsenal defence rather this year, given that they're going to be playing uh, in the Champions League and, 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 and things can get a little bit more, more stretched um, but equally. They've signed a considerably better defensive midfielder than what they had last year, and maybe that would will will equal um, an upgrade in defence, possibly. In which case, I guess all of these present some value. It's just difficult for me at this point to know which one I'd be more inclined to go for. Yeah, I think I think you'd think Gabriel is the most nailed of those four. If you were thinking of of one, right? Um, and. Zinchenko seems like the most natural choice of those of the left back options if he's up to like fitness. But um, so. I mean, they just spent 40 mil signing Timber. So is it? Yeah, I'd, it's it's a confusing one. Um, I think there could be regression. Obviously, the, the Champions League doesn't start until after the first international break. So you could have a situation where you're happy to have one of those five mil players in that first stretch and then kind of see how it goes. But I mean, in terms of the Rice thing, I think something that's not that I kind of clocked the other day that is not being talked about as much is he has very limited experience playing as a single pivot. And that is going to kind of be the sitch at Arsenal, right? It's going to be Havertz and Odegaard ahead of him as two eights. And, you know, he had Suchek next to him at West Ham, which obviously Suchek isn't necessarily a world beater, but it's another more defensively minded player next to him in, in a double pivot. He's always had like a Phillips or a Henderson or someone next to him at England. Um, so I don't, I mean, he's good on the ball. I think he, he, he's probably underrated in terms of his quality on the, on the ball. He's not, he's not a Pirlo style deep line sure. midfielder, no, but, but I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm still a little bit unsure if, how defensively sound is it going to be an improvement over having Xhaka and party or whatever? I don't, yeah. Obviously they're less good players, but there's two of them. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Of course, I mean, I guess one thing that you pointed out to me off air as well that's worth mentioning is that for, for Arsenal and City, we've got the best pre-season friendly in terms of the community shield to maybe find out a little bit more about first 11, about defensive shape. I mean, let's not read everything into it because last year's community shield, you would have thought that Erling Haaland wasn't, wasn't, was barely going to, score any goals in the Premier League and obviously that was uh, that was always going to be stupid but there were some serious hot takes after last year's Community Shield about Haaland um, so yeah uh, beware of those but but yeah you know, we might get an idea about you know which players are ready for game week one what that you know who's likely to perhaps be starting left back for example I guess um, I imagine that White is probably going to keep it place at right back to begin with but how long for I guess we'll, 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 we'll wait and see but but yeah I think uh, Arsenal defenders could present some good value um, but yeah not sure which one at the minute and that leads us Andy to uh, I guess the, the holy grail of uh, FPL five million pounds defenders uh, in this season at least and that's Purvis Estepinian I'd like us to uh, at least pat ourselves on the back for being very early onto the Estepinian hype train last year was Graham Potter still the Brighton manager when we got Est- on Estepinian? Maybe. No. Maybe. He definitely came into my team to then leave it to come back later in the season with a vengeance. Um, 
he's currently the most owned defender in the game, which doesn't tell you everything, but definitely tells you a lot in the sense that the community is definitely seeing him as a very, very good value defender. Uh, ultimately, Brighton are a good team. Under Deserby, they have relatively good underlying defensive numbers, and Esther Pinyan gets forward a lot often there. Um, their fullbacks. I guess aren't uh, aren't symmetrical and similar. I guess maybe to to, to the conversation you were having earlier about Chelsea and Chilwell versus Reese James. Esther Pinyan gets forward a lot more than uh, than Brighton's right back tends to, uh, who often tends up being a sort of central midfielder pushed out there anyway. Um, seven assists last year. I think he got one goal, but was unlucky not to get a couple more goals. Possibly overperformed his his expected assist numbers uh, actually, but but still. Um, plenty of, of opportunity. I guess there is still that concern with Brighton about having to balance Europe, uh, but I don't think Esther Pinyan's got much competition for his place either in the Brighton team. Although who knows which uh, unknown Brighton left-back is going to emerge at some point this year. Um, but yeah, at the minute it seems relatively nailed, very good value and a very attacking player. Yeah, his, his attacking upside helps massively. One thing I would say is we were more certain on Brighton's defensive stability over the last couple of seasons than I think we should be. Again, I think it's something that's not really being talked about that's going under the radar a little bit, that they they dropped off massively into like mid-table for expected goals conceded after Deservey was appointed, right? I think everyone could see with the eye that they were significantly more attacking under him than they were under under Potter, but... Um, and, and still relatively defensively okay, and I think kept a reasonable number of clean sheets, but the bottom line is the underlying numbers since went after after Deserby took over. I think they were only about ninth or tenth as opposed to the usual like top three even sometimes under Potter they were for, for defensive underlying numbers. Now, that's sort of balanced off at the start of the season a bit by the fact they have Luton, Wolves, West Ham, Newcastle in the first four game weeks. So, yeah, you know, they're still a reasonable chance of some of some like defense some some clean sheets there for 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 brighton but um just over the longer term of the season i guess i'm saying don't necessarily count on brighton to be as defensively solid as you might have kind of almost entrenched in your brain about them i think that makes perfect sense but yeah for me his uh, his attacking upside um does win out and, and yeah i i feel I just, I just really like him as a player. So, yeah, going to try and try and get him in my team. Uh, let's have a quick break then, Andy. But when we return, we will be talking budget defenders from four million to four and a half. Here at the FPL Lounge, we are keen to hear from you. You can join in the conversation on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. We will preview every game week throughout the season, exploring options for your chips and transfers. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your pods so that you have all the information you need before the game week deadline. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back then. So those budget defenders that can give you a bit more money to spend elsewhere in midfield and attack. Uh, Let's start, Andy, with a team, I guess, that we are fairly, that we like, I guess, defensively. Uh, at the start of this season, although their opening fixtures aren't too friendly, and that's Aston Villa. Um, they've improved immeasurably under Unai, Unai Emery uh, following Stephen Gerrard's departure um, into a, a team that sort of, I don't know, they kind of surprised me how high up the table they were towards the, the back end of last year. And obviously they ended up finishing, uh, finishing very strongly, um, have strengthened in defence again 
this year by bringing in Paul Torres. Still seems to be a few question marks over who they're going to be playing at the back. I think in some friendlies, Emery's stuck with his tried and tested uh, Tyrone Mings and Esri Konza. Uh, there's also been Konza at right back a few times. Um, but generally speaking, most, I think, of Villa's uh, defensive assets are four and a half million. I think it's just Alex Moreno that's five. Um, and he's injured to start the season. So you, know, you could have a, a, a Luca Dean, who's obviously done very well in FPL terms before. Pal Torres at four and a half. Matty Cash, four and a half. Um, besides the opening fixtures, this these could be, I guess, a set of set and forget four and a half million pound players that you can have in your 11 some weeks and have in, not have on your bench others. Well, set and forget other, like for some, I would, to, to me, it feels like, that arguably possibly Pal Torres is the only one who set and forget because I think whatever the combination of the back four, he he plays, right? But there are variants of that Villa back four that we've seen in pre-season that involve different combinations of centre-backs at, in, at right and left back and with Dean and Cash dropping out. Um, we've seen uh, Pal himself at left back. I think Ming's at left back. We've seen Konza at right back. So with with they're having options of like Carlos, Conza, Mings, Torres, who can all play in the centre back positions as well. They're they're going to move to that. It looks like try and move to that Liverpool City approach of like one of the fullbacks stepping into midfield and and, and three centre backs when they're on the ball. So um, that raises question marks for, for for both Cash and Dean, I think, and it's something I'd be. I'd be wary of, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Pal, Pal, Pal Torres, I, I, I could, I can see being a very popular pick on that front, though. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, Cash has played more, more I think, more minutes than any, any other Villa defender in pre-season. So, I, but yeah, equally when he hasn't played, it's been as we come to at right back. So there, are, there are definitely question marks. Um, I get what you mean about about Pal Torres, but I, I don't think he's any. For me, I don't think he's any better than, than than Diego Carlos in terms of sort of the thinking. I do tend to also think that once they once Mar- uh, sorry, once Emery is kind of settled, I think he'll play the same defense week in week out. I can't see there being too much shocking and changing. Um, but how he starts the season, I don't know. And I guess that's kind I of one to wait and see. That's exactly what so when you say about set and forget. Yeah, we do, we don't. I think whatever he settles on will involve Pal Torres in some way. Right. It may yeah, not sure. involve Cash, Cash or Dean. It could sure. well involve Cash particularly more so, I think, because obviously Dean's got the threat of Moreno coming back in uh, at some point. And I guess another thing I'd say on Villa as well is, and um, we'll say this probably a lot over the course of all our podcasts, their fixtures aren't fantastic in the, in the first four. Um, they've got um, Newcastle and Liverpool away. I mean, you could probably make an argument about those not necessarily being the worst fixtures ever but um it's just something of, of a caveat if you wanted to hold off on one of those or maybe only have one of them and, and wait and see what that defense settles on then there might be like scope for doing that yeah absolutely i mean their run from game week five to, to game week 12 is is, is is pretty pretty nice so but but yeah um one to four maybe not as nice as andy says uh let's move on andy to some other four and a half million pound options and i guess we can possibly group some of these together um i'll go with sven botman next because i guess he is perhaps the closest 
sort of Paul Torres adjacent pick um, in the sense that you think he's very likely to be a starter for Newcastle. He's four and a half million pounds. Obviously, they had a good defence last year, although we're expecting some um, some regression from them this year. But but yeah, he could be another kind of set and forget option in there. Um, and then I guess maybe Levi Colwell is worth mentioning in the same category. He feels like a potential set and forget, at least for now, where Badia Shiel and Wesley Fofana are out injured. Chelsea are lacking centre-backs and they have desperately wanted to keep hold of Colwell despite interest from Brighton, among many others. Um, it seems like he's going to be starting and he, therefore he's going to be a very cheap way into Chelsea's defence. Obviously, it's very limited attacking upside um, compared to you know your, your Chilwells and your James Jameses. But I think for the money, he could be pretty good value so yeah I'm kind of ranking him alongside maybe one of those Villa centre-backs Colwell and Botman as kind of the three four and a half options that centre-back options that 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 kind of stand out for me I mean yeah I I love Colwell in particular like um I think he he he's it looks like he's going to start and obviously the, the the there's a lot of buzz around him and the potential for him to do to to become a great defender is is there so it, it, there's a long way to go before that happens but it's, it's exciting for England fans in particular and we're desperate for a left-sided centre-back so that we don't go into another major tournament with Harry Maguire um, starting so uh, if there's if you know be gambleaware.org and uh, always gamble responsibly but like if you can find a uh, who's going to be in the England squad or who's going to start in England's first game at the Euros uh, bet any point during the season I think Colwell could play himself into that position. Yeah, almost needs to be fast-tracked into that, I think. Um, let's move on to the, I guess, fullbacks, Andy, but this is maybe a, maybe a debatable one, a four and a half million that, that we also like. Rico Henry stands out. I think um, Brentford, again, have a, I guess, reasonably good defence, um, but some of their uh, some of their five million pound options, I think, um, are perhaps a little bit too expensive. I think Ben Mee's in, in, in that category, maybe one of the other um defenders too uh but yeah obviously Rico Henry is he I think he's only I think he started 71 of Brentford 72 Premier League games I read somewhere um and I think the only other one he he, he was on the bench because he was just returning from from a slight injury um so yeah played a lot of minutes um very reliable uh and and yeah has, Brentford, I don't think I've signed anyone to really replace him attacking upside for a fullback isn't brilliant but it's not terrible so you know that you don't think you're going to be expecting loads and loads from him but uh but yeah i think he could be a reliable four and a half million pound option um one that you've liked the look of andy despite the fact that we um, i don't think we would have thought that we'd be tipping up any everton players but uh ashley young at four and a half million pounds is probably going to play for everton and he might not be playing in defense yeah, it's one I'm probably most tentative on of this 4.5 group, right? Because another upside for Henry as well as being nailed is Brentford have got a good start with fixtures. Um, so that, yeah, definitely like that. So when there's a lot of 4.5s that are looking interesting, that that makes it a little bit harder to go for someone like Young. But um, it's it's more so of, yeah, keeping an eye. Because if he ends up playing left wing in a 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3, that then becomes quite quite interesting. And he, whatever team he's played for, he's often end up taking a lot of set pieces. Obviously, got a good, say, a good set pieces for him could be could be really yeah. important, especially with yeah. Ever, I guess it, I feel I don't feel like we we need to justify why we haven't included James Tarkovsky, but we've seen him 
mooted a few, you know, in places. Um, and Everton, if they're going to score goals, it might well be from set pieces this year. So, yeah, if Ashley Young can get some assists from from set pieces, then 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 yeah, all the, all the better. And he is an intriguing one, a bit left field, but I kind of like it. So I mean, old old English player who can whip a good cross in. If you've ever seen a more Sean Dyche pick than that, it's the and I'll be surprised. Yeah, I mean, we should see what David Bentley's up to, really, shouldn't he, at this point? <laughs> and why not? Um, and then the final four and a half million pound uh, selection that we are that keeping an eye on, I guess, at this point is, is Destiny Adoji at Tottenham. Um, yeah, he was signed, I think, last summer by Spurs, but went back on loan to, to Udinese. He had a very, very good season. Um, and I think Ivan Perisic has left Spurs now, or perhaps isn't in contention. Not sure if that's true or I not. Might be... I think he's still in the squad, possibly. I'm is not sure if he's, if he's actually gone or not. Yeah, okay. I'm not. Well, I might let it's you probably, Google that one. It's probably while. something we should know. But yeah, yeah. I'll let you Google that while. Um, well, while, Wiki yeah. says he's still at Tottenham. Right. Well. Okay. Well, maybe maybe there's some some competition then for for Destiny Adoji. But yeah, I think Spurs um, Spurs fans are, are tipping him up as if he is going to be their starting left back. Um, is very attacking, um, and obviously Angie Postecoglou's teams are very attacking. So yeah, uh, there is potential there, but definitely one I would would rather keep an eye on rather than uh, get him in my game week one team straight away. Yeah, I think I think that's it. We, 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 we're not 100% sure. He's obviously not playing in the Premier League. So there's a lot to look out for there. Um, yeah, and there's, like, as I mentioned, there's a, lot, there's a, there's a number of decent 4.5 million options. One more that I would potentially add if it is to happen, which we don't know yet, hasn't added to the game, but we've had the here we go for Tino Livramento uh, to Newcastle. Mm. And whilst we have mentioned with Trips and Botman that we don't like kind of Newcastle start and we're worried about regression for them defensively, I think obviously Tino Livermento was fantastic when he was having regular starts in the Premier League for even for a defence like Southampton, flying forward, getting assists and could well, I could see a situation where although he's more naturally a right back, um, could absolutely at the moment, you know, Newcastle starting left back is Dan Byrne and they have Matt Target as backup. So Livermento play, has played plenty of times at, at left back um, in his career so far and that that, that would be a way to get him, him in the t- I think it's an upgrade ultimately, isn't it? Even mm. even though it's not his natural position so um yeah he he looks to be to be joining them anytime soon and i can't see him being over 4.5 when he's added no. so um that that would be one i'd be very interested in yeah i like it and if they're spending 40 million pounds on him as well you think that he's going to be uh, in a, in and around the first team at the very least uh, and that brings us on to our four million pound ones Andy. and i guess generally speaking the starters here are from newly promoted teams um at burnley i guess we're keeping an eye on uh, Jordan Bayer, who uh, who I believe his nickname is uh, Beckham Bayer, which I like. Um, I believe he is also German, which helps. Um, but yeah, definitely found his way in, in, into Burnley starting uh, 11 last year alongside Taylor Harwood Bellis. Um, Harwood Bellis has departed, but Bayer remains. And yeah, four million feels the most nailed Burnley defender. Um, I think he did score in pre-season, but he is a centre-back. So you're looking at only goals and from, from a set pieces, basically. Um, they've also got Ekdal and Charlie Taylor at four million, uh, who I guess we're worth keeping an eye on. But I'm not so sure about either of these. I, I think whoever partners Bayer at centre-back could also be a decent option, but I think I'd be tempted just for the, on the expected minutes just to just to stick with Bayer, Andy. Um, I'll let you have a quick chat about, about Marlo Gusto at Chelsea, also £4 million. It does appear that Rhys James is, uh, is, is fit to start the season. But if he's not, this guy's looked pretty good in pre-season, hasn't he? 
Yeah, he has in the games when James hasn't played, and he's look, he's a very highly rated. A lot of big clubs were were linked with him before he made his move to Chelsea. Um, so he's he looks very attacking. He and yeah, he's he's a good option in in that instance where James does get injured. But I think when we when we originally put him on here, there was more concern over James' injury status, and it looks like he he is going to be fit now. Um, I think there's a lot of probably work to be done on, and someone probably has done it. We we quite we haven't quite yet on on expected minutes for for 4.0. Obviously, you mentioned the Burnley ones there, but 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 there's a number here, and I, I can't see people going with more than one right. And some play at centre back, some play at wing back. Um, you know, uh, I think yeah, it, it, there's going to be. That's going to be an interesting. Last year, uh, in in previous years, has been. I think most people started last season with Neko Williams as their four point naught million mid uh, defender, and it's been Tino himself, and in in in, pre, in other years as well. Um, that I think there'll be more diversity in in that four point choice slot this season. Yeah, I think that makes that makes sense. I mean, let's go through some of some of those options then that I guess are perhaps the wing back options. Um, George Baldock, I think for me is the standout at Sheffield United. Um, he uh, is their starting right wing back, so in theory, his eight point two percent ownership should kind of reflect that. Um, Reese Norrington Davis, I think, might end up starting, being their starting left wing back, and he's also four million pounds. But he he started last season, but got injured, and question marks over whether he's going to be fit enough to start this year. I think. Um, and then there's Luton, and uh, yeah, I think the most um, owned four million pound defender in the game at the moment is is Amari Bell. Um, he started Luton season last year as a left wing back, but ended up as a left centre back. Um, so yeah, not loads of attacking upside from him. So Issa Kabore feels like the guy for me. Uh, he has been signed to play right wing back after Luton's right wing back from last year, Cody Dramo, has gone returned to his parent club uh, at Leeds, and they and they've signed Kabore instead. He come from Man City, but I don't think he ever played for them. I think spent last season on loan at Marseille, who were at times in the Champions League last year. I think definitely in Europe. Yeah, they were in Europe. Whether they were in the Champions League, I'm not sure. I can't remember. So he's got some pedigree. I think he's 20, 21 or 22. So, so yeah, I mean, he could be really flying under the radar. And if I was tempted to go for a newly promoted um, defender to, to, to bulk out my, you know, my defensive options, I think he, he might be the, the guy that I'd be going for because his upside is, is huge. Not as bad as I'm kind of thinking that they might be. Don't be expecting clean sheet points. But if they turn into something way better, then then yeah, he could be a massive part of it. And and yeah, if Luton do get do get it good, I'm keeping my eye on some of their four and a half million pound defenders as well. But I'll keep that for I'll keep that under my hat for another day, I think, Andy. Yeah, that we could get far too far into the Chris Loves EFL weeds there, couldn't we? I mean, if you're tipping up uh non-minimum priced Luton players. Yeah. But um, for me it's just like Chris loves Alfie Doughty. And that's as simple as that. Okay, well, there's a niche one there. If anyone else listening to this podcast knows who the chuff Alfie Doherty is, then you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge and do make Chris's day. But um, I think the difference between Bell and Kabore was a surprise to me. I hadn't really looked at their ownership before you mentioned it. And like me knowing nothing about, I think people who know stuff about the EFL or Luton will know that Bell was a, a you know, nailed on starter and looks to be a nailed on starter again. And this Kabore is obviously like a new newer signing so there's perhaps more uncertainty around him but everything you've seen read about Luton suggests he is the starting wing back so yeah 
like oh, no, so I that, think that comes with significantly more upside, right? So why would yeah, you not absolutely. go for him? I, mean, I I think that, that that Bell's ownership is reflective of the fact that he was in in the first tranche of price reveals, and he was the only four million defender in that first tranche of price reveals. Right. That's why I think he's so high. I don't think it's got anything else to do with that. And it might change, but if you've got a four million pound defender, are you going to change it for another one at this point? I maybe if you're really doing your research or if you're listening to the FPL Lounge podcast, but. Otherwise, maybe not. So, yeah, I could see him going into the season as the highest owned four million pound defender, but I don't think he's the one with the highest upside at all. I mean, there's lots of love for Bulldog. I mean, obviously, he has yeah. appeared and got yeah. assists in FPL before. He has. Um, so people have a little bit more certainty there. And so, like, you know, again, getting deep into the uh, the Chris loves EFL weeds, like we said, we wouldn't. But like Bulldog versus Kabore, where do you where do you sit on that? Um, I guess just like Bulldog, uh, sorry, Kabore's pedigree at, 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 in League One just makes me, and the fact that he was on City's books just makes me think that there's potential real upside there. But equally, he hasn't played a minute for City, so maybe he's just not that great. And obviously, they stockpile young players. I think he's he's from I think he's from Burkina Faso, so you know, he's just part of a, a wider scouting network, I guess, that that brought him in at some point. So, so yeah, it's it, it's hard to know. Um, George Bulldog also spent some time injured last year, so maybe that gives you a bit of concern. But, but yeah, I think uh, I think I'd be more willing to take the take a flyer on on a player that could be really is is completely boom or bust. Whereas yeah, George Bulldog is is considerably more steady, I think. There's an element, isn't there, of like you don't want to be using transfers on your fifth choice defender, right? But fixtures, you know, if it's another time in the season, fixtures kind of comes into it in that shorter term, right? And if you look at, so Luton's first three fixtures are Brighton away, blank, Chelsea away. Yeah. Whereas Sheffield United's first three fixtures are Palace, Forest, and then, okay, City. But, you know, it's three fixtures over two, and it's two of them at home. And it's so... I could see that as an argument, at least at first, for Bulldog, perhaps over Kabore. Makes sense. And yeah, I think you've just raised a good point as well. It is worth mentioning that if you are relying on some of these players to perhaps start, um, then then, uh, Burnley and Luton both blank in game week two. Uh, we better leave it there, Andy. Uh, plenty of chat, more chat, I think, about four million pound defenders than Trent Alexander-Arnold in the end. But that is that's how I like our FPL Lounge podcast to go. Uh, if our listeners have any questions about perhaps some of the better players or better prospects in FPL, and we haven't covered it on this podcast, how can they get in touch? Well, they can find us on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. And I think we would definitely be keen to hear, like, if, if, if there's people that you're looking at that we haven't covered, let us know what you think. If you want to know more, we obviously haven't gone over every single possible player in all those price categories, right? But um, if you, you know, if you've got questions, I don't know about more, like we didn't cover, Trippier was obviously very high owned last season, I think is the most highly owned defender in the game at the moment. But, you know, we could, why, why haven't, why have we? kind of not not so much gone for him maybe you want to hear, hear hear more on that I don't know but um yeah if you've got any any particular questions across any of these positions thoughts about the fact that we're still doing the long weekend could we do it different do you like it don't you like it I don't know just let us know and re-engage football's back baby but it never went away it never really Absolutely. went away did it 
No, it did not. It did not. Um, yeah, and do also remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you got your, your podcast from. In, at this time of the season, that subscribe button is ever important just because we are releasing our next episode of the FPL Lounge Long Weekend tomorrow. So you, if you've listened to Strategy Plus Keepers and now Defenders, then it, would, it will be Midfielders tomorrow. Uh, and then we will follow that up with Forwards the day after. Uh, but Andy, until then, thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. <laughs>